0: everybody, welcome to our next episode of The Moose Room. Uh, It is my pleasure to welcome back one of our OG3, Dr. Joe Armstrong. Uh, And Joe, you have some pretty exciting news.
1: Yeah, absolutely. We had our first kid last week uh, on Thursday. Yay! And yeah, little guy is here. He's healthy, mom's healthy, so everything's going well. You're talking about a human, not a goat, right? No, no, not not an animal, Uh, an actual baby person. His name is Lachlan, L-O-C-H-L-A-N. And yeah, everything's going great, like I said. So no complaints here, he's sleeping well. And you know, as well as you can expect, I'm still still short on sleep, but everything's going well.
0: Good, well, we are so excited to welcome Lachlan into the Moose Room family. So once we get that merch going, we'll get him a onesie. Don't worry. Oh,
1: perfect. That would be great. Yeah.
0: But uh, So so we have the full OG3 here today, plus one, uh, plus a friend of the Moose Room, I would say. Uh, so we have a couple people that get that distinct title of being a friend of the Moose Room. So we are joined today by Ashley Coles. Hey, Ashley. Well, hello. I am so excited to finally be part of this. I hear about it.
2: I listen to it and I'm excited to finally get an
0: invite. Yes, well we are so excited to have you. So Ashley, why don't you fill us in a little bit on what you do, uh, maybe what you've done in the past lately, um, and then we can get going. Sure, so I guess currently
2: I am the Director of Government Affairs for the Nebraska Cattlemen's Association. Previous to this, uh, I worked as the executive director for the Cattlemen's Association in the state of Minnesota. So I do a lot of the same things in regards to uh, politics and policy and things that um, circle around the beef industry, um, both within the state, but also on the federal level as well.
0: Well, that must be a big job. There's a couple (laughs) cattlemen in Nebraska, right?
2: Oh, there's just a few. Yeah, but the but the, uh, I guess, independent spirit of the cattleman is, is pretty much the same, no matter what state you're in.
0: Before we really dive into it, we have two incredibly important questions for you. And I don't think we pre-warned you, so we'll see how you do on the fly with these. Yikes. Okay. So, question one. What is your favorite breed of dairy cattle? Favorite breed of dairy cattle? Oh,
2: let's. Um, a question I have not had for some time, um, and I don't. I, I think you guys know. Like in a previous, I was a dairy princess, so I also feel like I. I yeah. Like this group because of that, man. I would have to say Brown Swiss because I've owned Brown Swiss cattle. Show. Mm. Um, yeah, Brown Swiss. I that believe it was our the, first Brown Swiss, isn't it, Joe? Yeah,
1: that is the first vote for Brown Swiss. Uh, <laughs> so that brings the. Did you guys ask Mike last week?
0: We did, and his favorite dairy breed was Dutch Belted. <laughs> uh,
1: who would have guessed that he just decided that it would have to be Dutch Belted and agree with them?
0: I don't, I don't know. <laughs> hmm.
1: Oh yes, that's the first vote for Brown Swiss. Yeah,
0: Yay. I'm so that brings. This long.
1: I know. You know, and despite what everyone thinks, they do not actually produce chocolate milk. Mm-hmm. But that is my favorite thing to try to convince people. Uh, who have not been around dairy cattle, and sometimes it works. It's pretty funny.
0: Well, Joe, you're just kind of mean like that, aren't
1: you? I, I know, but that brings the total to two for Jersey, two for Holstein, two for Dutch Belted somehow, Whoa. one Whoa. for Normandy, and one for Brown Swiss.
2: Two
0: for Dutch Belted. That's surprising. That's <laughs> amazing.
2: Surprising.
0: That's a comeback I'm smelling. The next important question, favorite breed of beef cattle?
2: Oh, definitely Black Angus. I mean, our family has Black Angus cattle. Ugh, they, are,
0: they are the
2: business breed with their maternal traits and the superior meat quality. Seems
1: a little biased to me. Yeah.
3: figured
2: so, you'd give a so shout out to some of
0: the other now, ones. Joe?
1: So the tally for our, the beef side is that's three for Black Angus, oh, wow. including myself. Uh, one for Hereford and one for Kianina.
0: I can't remember what Mike's was last week, Brad. What was Uh it?
1: Uh,
3: I can't remember either.
0: It was something really weird.
3: Weirder than
1: Kianina?
0: I thought he was going to agree with me again, and he didn't. It was was
1: not Kianina. (laughs) Emily will text him now. Hopefully, we'll get an update by the end of the show. That's very important information because the tally tally needs to be up up to date.
2: Those were easy questions. I'm nervous. I thought they were going to be more difficult
1: than that. Oh, no way. That is a
2: difficult question because
1: you didn't.
3: You you didn't answer the way you should have.
2: <laughs> oh, sorry, Brad.
3: <laughs> Brad's
1: a Hereford guy. If you didn't know, so.
2: Well, I would say if I had to pick a close second, maybe not close, but a
0: second, it would probably be Hereford. I mean, maybe not close.
1: <laughs>
0: it wouldn't be keys.
3: I'm. Hurt. We we support all breeds. We support all
1: breeds. Yeah, we just yeah. We, we like money. However, you can make money, that's the way to go.
0: Yeah, it's I typically guess. with black Angus cattle, so we're good. Yeah, you know, I just like the ones that are pretty. We have Ashley on. We're going to talk about a very exciting topic, a somewhat polarizing topic, I think, and that is sustainability in beef cattle. Before I get to that, I just heard back from Mike, and duh, remember Brad? Brahmin.
1: Oh, yes, like Brahmin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Brahmin. That's right. Yeah, what he's really he really going
0: for the fences on that one.
1: Really? He's li- living in Minnesota, and he likes a Brahmin. Huh. That's?
0: Hmm.
1: All right, I'll, I'll write it down.
0: Yeah, whatever, I guess. Anyways, circling back, today we're talking about beef sustainability. Can be a tricky topic, a controversial topic. First Try question again. about sustainability. I had to write a one-page essay about this. My first day of sustainability class in college. Ugh. What is sustainability? I think that's a buzzword we hear a lot. And everybody, everybody thinks of something totally different when they hear it. So I pose that question to all of you to start, and let's try to keep answers short, like 30 seconds, if we can. So uh, since he just gave the biggest eye roll, we're going to have Bradley go first.
3: Sustainability, to me, it means many different things. It's being resilient and producing a product in the most environmentally
1: capable manner.
0: All right. Very good. Dr. Armstrong?
1: Yeah, I mean, I don't have much different to add to that. It's it's very much about efficiency and using your resources as efficient as possible. And like Brad said, with a focus on on the environment, and, that, and that's really where it, it's gone. Now, I think there's a sustainability piece of that that has to do with the economy. Uh, it has to be sustainable for the producer as well to be able to make a living. So that's the other only thing I'd add to it.
0: Okay. Ashley, what about you? What is sustainability? Yeah, so I think I can take
2: a little bit of what they both said. I mean, you I guess when you first think of sustainability, you think of the environment and make, produce a product in a way that allows future generations to continue to produce that product. But you have to expand upon it a little bit more. And as Joe said, there's the economic component of it as well. I mean, you can produce a product every day, but if you can't uh, make money to sustain, in your farm going forward, you're not necessarily sustainable. And then there's a, I guess the, the less talked about component of sustainability is the social aspect of it.
0: Mm. So
2: you have the environmental piece, again, producing something that allows you to continue on to the next generation, the monetary piece that allows you to do that as well. Um, but also somewhat, you know, the social part of it is the social acceptance of it, sure that you're producing a product that people actually want to consume um, and how that also ties into sustainability. Again, very important.
0: Great answer. So I suppose I have to give my And what about you? That's right. (laughs) I mean, you guys all really hit on the main points. I mean, to me, when you think about sustainability and sustaining something, it's something that's going to last, something that has longevity. And how do you get to that point of longevity? Um, And for me, I think of, yes, all those aspects. Economically, what can you do? Environmentally, what can you do? And Ashley made a great point with socially, what can you do? Um, I think that... You know, we hear about a lot of organizations and, and I think farms are included in this, the social responsibility piece uh, that farmers have. And I think that that ties in really closely with sustainability in that uh, we are doing things that are good for the consumers, but also for the producers, for the land. Um, I, like Ashley, was also a dairy princess. And so we talked a lot about environmental stewardship and sustainability in that way. And so just talking about, you know, we have to be good stewards of our land because, you know, this is where the farmers also live and work and play. And so sustainability is a really complicated topic. And like I said, I think you ask anybody and everybody has a little bit different idea, you know, a different first word that comes to mind, whatever it might be. But it sounds like we're all pretty much in agreement here. So I'm interested to see if we can, uh, take that through for the rest of this episode and I'll be in agreement.
1: So I was gone last week when you guys were planning this episode. Why are we talking about sustainability today? Why, what's the, what's the main reason that it yes. came up?
0: Well, I'm going to slightly break our fourth wall of podcasting here. We do record on a little bit of a delay. So last week when we were recording uh, the Burger King ad campaign had just come out, which uh, really confronted the topic of sustainability in beef production and talking about ways that that organization and just in general, we need to be doing more work to be more sustainable. Specifically, they went down the avenue of greenhouse gas emissions. And so we all had a lot of thoughts and opinions. I know, pretty shocking for the moose room here. So we thought it would be great to to bring Ashley on to talk a little bit about that, but also again, just largely beef sustainability. What we think about what we need to do um, as far as you know greenhouse gas emissions, yes, but but other topics related to that as well.
1: And I think it's good to break that fourth wall of podcasting, and we do to record on a on a, a delay or there's a lag time between when we record and when the episodes come out. So that's important to know. Things mm-hmm. change pretty quickly with these kind of things, and even just in the last couple of days, things have changed a little bit. But Burger King's been backpedaling just a little bit, uh, uh, and I think we can probably start there. I, I I would say Ashley, if you if you could describe it from your perspective on mm-hmm the The shock value of that campaign coming out and maybe what the producers uh, thought about. I'm sure you heard from a few people as soon as that ad came out.
2: Um, there's a lot to digest with the whole Burger King campaign and I somewhat use that as a joke. You guys are supposed to laugh. Uh-huh. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Uh, <laughs>
1: um, <laughs>
2: um, you know, in their shift, um, was it last week when it came out, when they were going to basically shift from focusing on, their menu to cow's menus is kind of the avenue that they went and how they proposed or justified this campaign that they came out with. But the thing I think that was the most offensive um, in regards to their campaign for for cattlemen and for folks in agriculture is a way that they made light of like cow farts, right? So it's kind of like they took a page from what AOC um, and her dialogue with the Green New Deal um, and made a video out of it. Um, and the frustrating part for those of us in the beef industry or agriculture is that, you know, it's it's scientifically incorrect. So do cattle contribute to greenhouse gases? They do. Um, but if you look at the scheme of things, according to the EPA, it's less than 2% of all greenhouse gas emissions. Um, within the United States. And so uh, when you look at the the cows biology and I'm not the doctor here, I know we have Mr. Bradley J. Hines, who is that doctor. Oh, I guess you too, Joe.
0: <laughs> um, I'm not a doctor. <laughs> me neither. He's
2: uh, leaving me
1: out. It's okay.
2: Oh, sorry. Um, when we look at, you know, the greenhouse gas emissions and where they come from. Um, it's more from, you know, bovine belching, right? Not bovine flatulence. And so making light of that whole thing and the scientific inaccuracies behind it was a big frustration. And when they touch on how they plan to fix that with this lemongrass addition to cow's diets, there's a lot of things to unpack with that too as well. So, you know, we, we started off talking about uh, sustainability and part of that is, um, you know, a, it's the environment, but also the economics behind it. And the grass is tropical. So maybe, maybe in the southern parts of Florida can it be grown. So not anywhere near where our cattle are actually grown and finished um, through the upper Midwest primarily. And so if you look at sustainability, that is like a big detractor from, I think, their end goal when it comes to sustainability that, I mean, we have to either ship the product in or grow the product in greenhouses, which takes a lot of fossil fuels, which I mean, there's there's flawed logic, Um, and I think, um, as Joe has said, since we originally decided to talk about this, they have backpedaled significantly. Actually, they've issued an apology letter (laughs) to, um, like, the Roundtable for Sustainable Beef. You know, in the name of apologizing to those in the cattle industry, Um, and they fully admitted that they took some creative liberties in filming and putting together this
0: campaign, Um, including using Holstein spotted cattle in the Mm -hmm. ad i don't see heavy but like oh
2: you went there i wasn't gonna go there oh I, I, I will always go there okay because i thought about saying well and it's it's not a beef issue it's a dairy issue obviously because it was holstein's uh,
0: um, dairy beef hello have you heard of it yeah but they. Well, have, i mean we have all, several up-
1: taste them. good you can't forget that they all that's taste right. good
2: they, they also- yes that's right that's right they do um so i mean they they took creative liberties um, and how it uh, could potentially have been misleading to some of their guests and they have adjusted some of their marketing materials accordingly to downplay parts and have a more serious tone according to their apology letter. So, um, but the damage is done. One thing
3: that you would think of from a scientific standpoint, you know.
0: Oh, I know where he's going with this.
3: Is, uh, you know, if you look at the research, there's uh, an inconclusive study in Davis that determined that lemongrass maybe maybe didn't work, and then the other Mexican study that they used was uh, not published. So you're sort of basing possibly basing your whole marketing campaign off of something that may or may not work, uh, which what do sort we of call that
0: speculation,
3: speculation, conjecture. conjecture. Uh, so it sort of inflamed a lot of the research. Group in the United States and other places because, you know, you're basing marketing off of something that may or may not work, which can be for any product, but that's really what got some people going too.
0: And let me just slide in and say that's why we at the Moose Room took issue with it, because as University of Minnesota Extension, we're really focused on research-based information.
1: And I, I know we did an episode on on beef environment sustainability back in episode four. So you can go back and listen to that to get a lot of the numbers we're talking about. But I mean that that's one of the main things that we've talked about in the past is the first way you can tell if a source is even credible to start with is are they talking about farts or are they talking about about eruptation or belching. And if they're talking about cow farts, you automatically know that they're probably not credible. uh, because like Ashley said, it's not where most of the methane comes from. So I, I just was absolutely astounded that they took that liberty without even looking at it any further than that. We want to give a shout out to Frank Mitloner at the University of California, Davis. He is an air quality extension specialist uh, there in the Department of Animal Science. And big shout out to him. He really came at this hard and got in touch with Burger King, really was on the front lines and is now working with them to kind of help fix the things that, incorrect with their, their advertising campaign. So just, just a big shout out to, from the Moose Room to, to Frank.
2: I don't know if you guys all know, or anybody listening knows, but I'm a habitually cup half full person and try to feel like, hey, what's the good, what's the good that comes out of this and that you hit it right on the head. I mean, it's, it's started dialogue and conversation amongst folks about what, what is actually fact and it has allowed um, the really good work that they're doing there to, to be more socialized with folks um, within agriculture, but also outside of agriculture. So there's there's a there's a silver lining, right?
3: And I think maybe you might not agree with me, but I think the good things that come about this as well is for each farmer or producer to actually look at their operation and see how they can improve that, you know, because there's always room for improvement in the beef sector, dairy sector, whatever, for from a sustainability standpoint. So maybe the idea is to do that as well.
2: Yeah. And I, I won't disagree with you, Brad. And I actually think that uh, the attitude of continuous improvement, at least amongst those in the beef industry, is already there. And we've been talking about beef sustainability for quite some time. And there's been some folks that come and talk to you know all of our various industry groups about it. Um, and for the most part, they do embrace components of beef sustainability, right? But there's um, there's always the folks who are like, we've always done it this way and we're going to keep doing it this way. So our, I think our biggest challenge is, and maybe it's a call to those people that, uh, you know, it's okay to maybe deviate from the way it's always done. If in the name of being able to sustainably produce beef in the future and not just the environmental side of things, but the economic side of things.
1: And I want to, I want to see how your take on this, Ashley. I, I've been really pushing hard whenever I talk to any of our producers in Minnesota. Here, this is not a time to point fingers at other industries or to try to point out the the things that are wrong or the bigger contributions from everybody else. I think that's all important information, but it's really a time to highlight how good a job the beef beef industry does, especially in the United States, and how efficient we are and how little we contribute. And I, I want to avoid any negativity towards other industries. I think, is that the right way to go?
2: Yeah, I absolutely agree. Um, And I think the attitude of having continuous improvement and then being able to demonstrate that continuous improvement, to utilize that as incentive for others to also want to kind of get on that bandwagon that, um, you know, we all want to be here, you know, for the next generation. We'll be able to pass off not just our farm, but our legacy to the next generation and doing uh, things today to allow that to happen. Um, I think are important and people need to think about it. Um, and I do think that sustainability does get and hold in just being environmental, um, but making sure that they also understand that, you know, the economic side of it's important. And as Emily and I talked about the social aspect, if people don't want to buy your product, then it doesn't matter how efficiently you can produce it. You're not going to be here in the future. So making sure that we understand all those things that I realize uh, in some circles, that's fluff, right? You know, you're just talking fluff and you're just trying to, tell me what to do. And that's absolutely not the case. Um, It's just making sure we have the conversation that people understand that we need to acknowledge that our consumers, you know, want to make sure that we're doing the right thing and we want to do the right thing for them.
0: I think that's a great point, Ashley. And and tying a little bit more into that social piece, too, and what Joe was saying about Yes. I mean, I think it's pretty natural human behavior to get kind of defensive or try to go, Mm -hmm. well, we only contribute this much. Look at how much they contribute. Versus like you said, right off the bat, Ashley, you go, is there greenhouse gas production from cattle production? Yeah. Yeah, there is. And I think that that's what people would rather hear is us going, yep, this is happening and we know that. And here's what we are doing to address it. Instead of going, well, you know, the cars, they're so much worse than us (laughs) because you know what? Yeah. But then that's, you know, automobile makers, that's their issue, right? We got to, we got to deal with our own crap, I think before we can (laughs) worry about uh, what others are doing. And yeah, I think that that ties to those other parts of sustainability.
1: So Ashley Uh, like Emily gave gave us an introduction, uh, has been a friend of the Moose Room, has been a personal friend of the three of us for a while. And one of the reasons we wanted to have her on is we wanted to have an excuse to get a behind-the-scenes look at, you know, what happens from someone in, in Ashley's position or someone who's in a similar position when something like this happens. Like, just take us through... You know, the, the 24 to 48 hours after after something like this happens, uh, when do you just turn your phone off because it doesn't stop ringing, that kind of thing?
2: Yeah. So, I mean, I was sitting in the office and when initially, you know, Burger King first tweeted out this video and, and kind of what they were um, intending to do with this, you know, inconclusive research. And, you know, that's when your phone starts dinging because people are either tagging you in a tweet or sending you a text message that they're like, hey, this is happening and we need to address this and head it off at the pass. And so um, you know, the first thing I did is I had to watch the video and did some uh, reading on Burger King's website to really see what they were trying to accomplish. And, you know, talking to members who want to be able to address some folks who they either may be friends or family that say, hey, you know, this isn't all necessarily factual. Um, that's when within, you know, an hour or two, you know, media starts to call and say, Hey, what's the beef industry going to do about this? Or how are you guys going to address this? Or how are you going to contact Bricker King and tell them that what they're saying is not factually correct. Um, and they're throwing people under the bus unnecessarily. Uh, so, um, talking to, uh, folks in media and, and telling them, um, you know, story of what we basically started this off with. But absolutely, you know, we we fully acknowledge that, you know, two percent of the greenhouse gas emissions in the US do come from the beef industry. And we have groups working at addressing that. And we have an attitude of continuous improvement uh, with folks in the beef industry already, making sure that number doesn't go up at all Um, and you know these are the things we're doing you know and use the talking points that cattle are the original upcyclers how we can you know utilize uh, grains and grasses that humans can't utilize to produce high quality protein that you should be proud to feed to your family those types of things and then uh, we work you know our, our national organization has um a team of folks who are continually watching the media and have uh connections uh with you know folks like burger king and reaching out to them and saying hey guys you know what you did was inappropriate because it's not factual, um, and you're making light of something. That's a pretty serious thing. Greenhouse gases are a serious thing, and you're you're making light of it in a way that isn't making you look the best. And I think that's then what generated this apology letter that we got from from Burger King, or all those sequence of events happening um, and having those connections to media, to Burger King itself, uh, but also more importantly, is connection to the cattleman who had the massive outcry saying this is not okay. You know, throwing us under the bus in this way is is inappropriate. So that's kind of what happened. And that happened, I would say that was about a 48 hour ordeal uh for that to all happen. So and then the letter from Burger King came.
1: Yeah, I I I think, you know, I just like a lot of the producers, my my biggest thing uh that made me so angry with all of this was, and I, I think Colin Woodall You know, he responded. Who is he's the NCBA CEO, and he responded, and I I think he was right on, hit it right on the head when he said that. You know, Burger King chose to really ignore some of the facts, trying to score easy points with consumers by launching a misleading public relations campaign, and I I, I think that's that's what made me so angry. If they wanted to highlight a lot of things that were true and, and really didn't misrepresent anything, and it was trying to score points with consumers by doing that, that's fine. I mean, but if you're going to misrepresent it and and be completely off, ignore the science, uh, just to try to perpetuate an image that everyone in the beef industry and the dairy industry is trying to fix and is working hard on to fix, it definitely seemed belittling to to all of our efforts.
3: One thing... that I think we we always talk about greenhouse gases from that standpoint, and the biggest one is is methane and carbon dioxide. But we also have to remember there are many other greenhouse gases that contribute that can be far nastier than ca- carbon dioxide or methane.
1: Uh, That's a good point. That's a really good point.
3: Just to throw that in there, you know, you you think about it, even from because I work in pasture-based uh, production, and nitrous oxide in a pasture-based system is probably worse than. Uh, methane or carbon dioxide. So you have to, you know. I think we sort of gloss over a lot of these things, and it always gets blamed on methane. Uh, there are some other ones that uh, we need to be more cognizant of as well.
1: If somebody wants to learn more, and maybe none of us have this answer at hand right now, but if someone wants to learn more, where can they go? Uh, what what can they? Not do? Burger
0: King's website.
1: Not yet. Not yet. Hopefully they'll come around. Where, where do you think, where can they go, Ashley?
2: So there's a few different places. So there is uh, two different groups. One of them is called the U.S. Roundtable for Sustainable Beef. Um, they have a lot of information on their website about some of the efforts, research efforts, I guess, that have gone into place to help identify where the beef industry can be more sustainable, whether that's environment, economic, or socially. Um, there's a US round table uh, for sustainable beef where they can do the same thing. Um, so you could go to those organizations website to find information. Um, I will say this with a caveat. There are a lot of cattle industry members who may not agree with everything they have on there. And it's, it's, when you talk about those two organizations, it can be polarizing. So, if you choose not to go there, um, I would say uh, you could look at university research as well as to be sustainability, or you could go to uh, you know industry organizations like USFRA, US Farmers and Ranchers Alliance website. Um, they have a lot of really interesting content there as well, uh, where they talk to actually farmers and ranchers across the country to talk about what they're doing. Uh, in regards to sustainability for their specific industries.
0: And Extension just hired somebody to work um, in climate change outreach and education. So we can maybe have her on an episode in the future. That would be fun.
1: Yeah, if if she's willing to be on, that would be a great person to talk to. Um, hopefully we can get reach out and get some collaboration going. This is a a perfect excuse to do that.
3: And I think, you know, talk about environmental sustainability, social sustainability, it's not going to go away. It's going to be here uh, for many years to come and we have to sort of dive in and figure out uh, how to to challenge uh, it and and work out some solutions to do that.
1: So that's the next question, I guess. We've got information on on the general problem and and what. Is happening on on a big picture scale to fix some of this these things Ashley kind of gave us an overview of her role in all of this trying to lobby for change and make sure that the, the correct facts are stated where can producers go where can they go to figure out how they can improve their operation Ashley do you do you have somewhere for producers to go
2: yeah, so I guess a lot of the same websites that I noted earlier, um, like the U.S. Roundtable for Sustainable Beef or the Global Roundtable for Sustainable Beef. And I think Emily or Brad, I don't remember who it was, mentioned that um, you we have a seriously awesome resource and Extension. And I'm not trying to uh, be a, a kiss-ass, can I say that? I'm not trying to suck up to you guys, but, you know, University of Minnesota, but also, you know, from the Nebraska perspective, University of Nebraska to um, the the beef extension folks and the dairy extension folks um, are also really good resources.
1: I don't think we have time to really go into what producers can actually do. That seems like a a big topic that we don't really have time to touch on, right? Mm
0: -hmm. That's an episode for another day.
1: We'll just have to have Ashley back, I guess. I guess. Yeah
0: but so you can delete
2: this too but if you guys ever do go to the, the USFRA website their sustainability stories are really
0: awesome cool all right that sounds like it is a wrap on this episode of the Moose Room thank you so much Ashley Coles once again for joining us we were glad to have you on this week and Joe welcome back and welcome again to Lachlan to the Moose Room family thank you so, if you have questions, concerns, scathing rebuttal, you think everything Ashley said is crap, you can send those to the Moos Room at umn.edu. That's T H E M O O S R O O M at umn.edu. Thank you for joining us. We'll see you next time.
1: Bye.
3: It's always my fault. 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 It's always my fault.